Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Man on the Post Extra Time. Uh, I am Chris. With me, as ever, I've got Mark. Hello. I've got uh, Emma. Hi. And from the Sunday show, we've got Joe. Hello. Welcome aboard. Are you right? I'm not too bad, thank you very much. Excellent. Uh, a bit about you. You're a Sheffield Wednesday fan, aren't you? I am, yes. So you're our male Laura. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And also, what you do at the weekends? You are you one of these people that um, ask questions to Premier League managers and players after games? Are you? Is that right? Uh, that's one of the things that I do. Yeah, I'm kind of just a freelance journalist, so I do whatever the 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 work tells me to do, really. Right. Okay. So what's that? That's sort of reporting on games or? Yeah. Right. Match reports. I interview managers and players. I, all sorts of things. Have you ever had the Roy Keane stare? I've never had the Roy Keane stare. It's something I'm looking forward to, though. Anything similar? Um, I've had the, I've suffered the wrath of uh, Keith Hill at Rochdale a little bit. Have you? He's a bit of a, he's he's not, a bit of a prickly character. He's not a man to cross, is he? No, no. He uh, it were the actual it was Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup this year. I was there for ITV, and uh, I were interviewing him after the game, and uh, I think a couple of my questions about his players' attitude got up his nose a little bit. What did he say to you? It just saw it. It didn't really say anything bad, but it uh, it was very sharp and very very short sentence answers and sentences. Just uh, I think he just wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible, really. So when you interview somebody and you ask them a couple of prickly questions at the end of it, you sort of shake hands and then off they go, or do they just sort off? Um, well, he's the only one who's been a bit prickly, really. Um, and he didn't shake my hand. No, he kind of just just headed straight away. Uh, everyone else has been has been pretty good to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, Apart from him. <laughs> Sorry, Keith, if you're listening, by the way. Well, if he is, yeah, get in touch. <laughs> uh, so this week, there's been Champions League actions. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to be talking about uh, Chris Hutton being sacked as Norwich manager and the lack of um, black and ethnic minority managers that are actively in English football. Uh, we'll also be talking a little bit about Jose Mourinho being fined for his behaviour at Aston Villa. Um, Hull City Tigers may or may not get their name changed uh, and some other bits and bobs as well so chronologically I suppose we start with Chelsea 2 PSG 0 uh, I think Chelsea went through in the away goals in the end Denver Bar stuck up for himself and Torres and Sammy Eto. he said we've got three great strikers and I think a lot of clubs would love to have them uh, Jose Mourinho very happy he said the players followed our plan and our ambition and we were very lucky um, because we got the result we fought for and Laurent Blanc very nicely said that they believe right to the end and they were rewarded and good luck to them who watched this game? Yeah, I watched it, yeah. You watched yeah, it? Yeah, I watched it as well. Okay. I get the feeling PSG played for the 0-0, and I think they got caught with their pants down a little bit. Does anybody feel the same? Um, well, potentially. It wasn't a great game, but I think we spoke about it after the, the first leg, that PSG weren't especially impressive in the first leg, and they certainly weren't impressive in the second. I think, as you say, they were trying to hang on. But maybe they're just a bit of a victim of hype, you know, and the, the whole thing around Ibrahimovic, who obviously wasn't playing the other night. But I wasn't especially impressed by them in either leg, to be honest. And I think um, Chelsea did, as I think a lot of people expected them to, and just ground out the 2-0 to get through, didn't they? I was surprised that PSG at least didn't score. Or make more scoring chances, I think. That's Chelsea and Mourinho all over, especially at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, I think he sort of sets them up then, doesn't he, to, to not lose. I think um, I think the other thing maybe PSG suffer from was a lack of competition in their own league. So when they do come up against the big boys, then um, they get caught out, don't they? I don't think it would have made any difference if Ibra was on the pitch or not. Yeah, mm. I, I agree with that, yeah. I think uh, I think Cavani was a, a massive letdown for them. Um, a lot of hype to be placed in him. And to tell the truth, when I saw him play for Napoli, I was very impressed 
it looked like he had everything, strength, pace, everything. Um, but I I hadn't seen it this season, definitely. Um, just not, not seem to cope with... Uh, with maybe the price tag he's got, or maybe playing out of position most weeks. Well, he was where he wanted to be, wasn't he? Because there's no Ibrahimovic. Yeah, he were the other night. Yeah, but I, I don't know whether I don't know. Can you can your confidence be not by not playing in your proper position? I don't know. I mean, I get the, my opinion is is they're professional footballers, and you should really be able to play anywhere. Other than asking a sort of striker to play fullback, I think asking a, a forward to play a different position and along the forward line isn't a massive ask, is it? No, I don't. I don't think so. No, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I, ju- I just think that he didn't take his chance down the centre. Then shall we put? No, I mean he, he missed that big one towards the end, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he put it over bar when uh, he should be getting that on target at least. Yeah, I would have thought so. Was everybody in did by Mourinho running down the touchline? What not do you to think? Celebrate. Sorry. But not to celebrate. But not to celebrate. No, to give out. I don't know whether he's allowed to do that or not. Is he? <laughs> Well, in his mind, he is. Well, yeah, I think in his mind, he can do anything. <laughs> but ten- nah, he just he just wanted to be in the in the picture, didn't he? And yeah. show everybody that he's the man in charge and he masterminded this superb success. And that's what he was going for was a two nil win, and he knew it was going to happen. It was a bit of a spawny goal, wasn't it? What oh, six yeah. or seven six or seven minutes from the end. But that's just Mourinho for you. It's all just show and bluster and all the rest of it. I can't make up my mind whether I just think he's a complete div and can't stand him or whether he's just a pantomime villain I think he's someone between the two yeah he's a bit of everything isn't he yeah but having said that his players really sort of speak up for him Andre Sherlock was saying the same thing and does anybody know the story about Wesley Schneider when he was um, when Mourinho was at Inter for a few weeks Schneider wasn't playing very well at all and in training he couldn't sort of pick a pass or, or score a goal in training and he got called over by Mourinho um, at the end of the training session, Schneider thought he was in for a massive rollicking. And Mourinho told him to take two weeks off and go on holiday. And he said that from that moment on, he knew he'd, he'd run through walls for Mourinho. And I think players that he gets on the right side of, they, they can't speak kindly enough of him, can they? I do get the impression it's kind of like a bit of a, a bit of a boys club, though. Like, he's got his favourites and they all love him. And it's sort of like, you know what I mean? The, the people who maybe say something against him are... Ain't got a chance against him. Oh he, yeah, you know what I mean. It's a bit. I do get that. I do get that impression. Yeah, if you're crossing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wednesday then. Bayern Munich three, Manchester United one. Um, United took the lead. I mean, it's probably the worst thing they could have done. The score. Um, they hit back by Munich. Did uh, Mandzukic, Muller, and Robin Moyes said the defending was criminal. Uh, to concede so soon after scoring the first goal. But he also thinks that not being in the Champions League next year won't affect the kind of players they want to attract, which kind of got me thinking, in which case, what kind of players are they after? <laughs> um, did anybody see this one? I, I listened to it. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah, I saw, yeah I saw it. What did you think, Emma? Maybe not so quickly, but it was predictable that they would score straight after United did. You could just, you just knew it was going to come. And I think that... That the Moises comment that you just read out is completely talking out of his backside. He's, you know, trying to trying to defend what what's happening, but it, of course it's going to affect the kind of players that want to play for them. You've seen that in the sort of players that maybe you could ar- sort of argue that not in the same way, but Arsenal have been attracting, sort of knowing in the last few years, or more, maybe not who they're attracting, but who they've lost. Mm. And I think that United will feel that as well over the next close season and maybe into January. You don't think the era might give them a chance to regroup and and sort of make a sort of an attack on the Premier League next year? Potentially, but then the pressure that comes from not qualifying, it's gonna be swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Yeah, there's gonna be more pressure on them next year to qualify. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Was Rooney fit enough to play? No. Um No. I didn't mean all I've seen is is the goals. I've not seen any highlights or anything like that. So I mean, I, they said afterwards that it, retrospectively, they didn't think he would probably was fit enough to play, but he was so important that he had to. I mean, that's a big health and safety implication on a player, isn't it? We had the same thing earlier on this year at um, Everton when Tottenham played with Lloris, didn't we? Uh, we bashed his head. I mean, if he's not fit, he's not fit. He shouldn't really be allowed to play, should he? 
but it, what what was his injury? Was it a toe injury that he had a painkiller injection for? Yeah. Well, the you know the painkiller injection thing that's been going on for decades, you know, and it's if it's um, handled properly, once isn't really going to do any damage to him long term, but um, it's prolonged use of such injections that can be harmful to somebody. So once just to get him through this game, um, I wouldn't really call that as health and safety issue, and especially as he's the one who's. You know, said, "Look, go on, jab me with it, and we'll play through and what have you." But um, he just wasn't—he wasn't 100% for it. And Rooney's the type of player who, if he isn't 100% fit for a game, you can notice it straight away. Mm. You know, he looks like he always—he always carries a bit of bulk on him. But if he's fit, he gets away with it. But when he's not 100% on it, you know, he does look laboured. Yeah. Okay. Um. Also, in the Champions League, we had Dortmund. They, they nearly did it, didn't they? They nearly overcame their three-nil deficit against. Real Madrid, they beat um, they beat them two 0 so couldn't quite get there. But probably, I don't know. It was this big. I suppose this must have been a bigger shot than United going out. It was Atletico one, Barcelona nil. Um, I think Atletico hit the bar three times in the first twenty minutes, scored a goal, and Barcelona had no answer. Mm. Yeah, did you see the uh, interesting stat about how much ground Messi covered? No, what was that? He only covered slightly more, slightly more. Uh, Meters than the Barcelona goalkeeper in the whole game. Oh, did he? Yeah. Wow. The, uh, yeah. Barely, I think it was some something like 0.6 meters or something like that. Um, more than the than the goalkeeper. So the goalkeeper was already incredibly busy, or he <laughs> wasn't. Oh right. No. Well, hearing how well Atletico played, then there's very high chance that the Barcelona keeper could have been very busy. They look very good. I mean, I think they're. Um, I saw a picture on. Did anyone see the thing? I retweeted it last night. The um, someone drew a cartoon bus with Borussia Dortmund players and Jurgen Klopp driving it, and um, there was a in front of it was an Atletico bus, and there was a picture of some people moving from one to the other with hipsters next to it, as if the sort of <laughs> everyone's now moving from the sort of Dortmund bus onto the Atletico bus. I mean, are they one to watch out for in the next round, or do you think they're the weakest of the four? I think they'll be underestimated. Whether they are the weakest of the four, they're sitting top of La Liga. So can you argue that? Uh, no, you're right. I would say Chelsea are probably the weakest of the four, and I couldn't, I couldn't put um, pick between the two Madrid clubs for the second favourite. I think everybody knows about Atletico. I mean, Real Madrid obviously play them in the league. Mourinho and Pep know about them from being in the Liga before, don't they? I don't think. Do you think they will be underestimated? I personally think that. That they are they are the stereotypical underdogs just because of they haven't done as much as the other clubs over the last few years. Mm. Um, but I agree with Mark. I think possibly uh, Chelsea are the are the weakest of the four. But the thing that they've got that no one else has got is Jose Mourinho. Yeah, he's a very streetwise manager. He's um, I think even though he might have the weakest team on paper, I think that that more than makes up for it, doesn't it? And it's not bad having a weak team with Hazard and. Uh, and Schurler and Oscar and all these types of players, is it? I'd take that weak team any day. No, I, I, take, I quite like Schurler. I think he's um, I think he's going to be quite some player, even though he comes on as sub, he doesn't necessarily start each week. You never see him complaining, but he's starting to chip in with the goals, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's maybe just one of them players who will take a little bit longer to adjust. Mm. Um, your Hazards and your Oscars have obviously, they, they've had that little bit of extra time there. Williams come in and he's, he's known for his work rate as everyone keeps on mentioning mm. um, so I think I think Schiller possibly just needs that little bit more time to settle in and, and find his place and and yeah I agree I think he'll be a, a good player Is he the new Wally Gunnar Solskjaer? No No there was only one <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think out of the four teams it's interesting because I personally think that you've got Bayern and Chelsea who uh, Bayern are better but I think them and Chelsea are both based on the teams are both based on power and being difficult to break down, difficult to beat. And then you've got Madrid and, well, two Madrid clubs who are going to be a bit more about pace and flair and all these sorts of things. So I think you've got two different types of teams and it's going to be interesting who draws who out as to then who then gets to the final. And it might, we might end up with a, you know, like a Bayern versus Real Madrid final where you've got two quite different um, ethos teams playing against each other. Hmm. Personally, I think that's, that's, the best, that's the best case scenario. I think that's the final, personally, I'd like to see. Do you cheer Chelsea in Europe, either of you? Or any of you? 
What's that, sorry? Being an English club, do any of you cheer for Chelsea in Europe? Um, Or any English team? No, not not particularly, no. No, no I'm, I'm ambi- ambivalent. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, perhaps just me, then. It's funny when they lose, but I do sort of... You do want them to do well, I suppose. That's what... Uh, that's what I think. But um, Mourinho's been in the news again today. He's been uh, found guilty on, of the improper conduct charge when he was sent off against Aston Villa last week. He's been fined the grand sum of £8,000 and warned about his future conduct. Um, Mourinho claimed he was trying to speak to referee Chris Foy because Ramirez is pushed by Aston Villa striker Gabby Abonahal, who'd been substituted. Any sympathy from Mourinho? He wasn't the only one on the pitch, was he? Well, Ramirez had his studs in whoever it was, his shins at the time. So I don't really see Mourinho's point if the Villa um, players were getting upset because Ramirez nearly crippled one of the uh, one of the Villa players. And it's just Mourinho waltzing on the pitch thinking he can do what he likes and everybody has to listen to him and, you know, again, being the centre of attention and being like some big spoiled kid. So, you know, I can't, I can't really see what he's got to complain about. Paul Lambert was on the pitch as well. Well, that's the FA's fault for not taking action. Just because Lambert was on there as well doesn't mean that was wrong. <clears throat> but I don't think eight grand is going to put him off doing it again. No. Slightly more than a good dinner for him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so moving on, we've got other news now. So we've done Chelsea and Jose Mourinho going getting fined. We've got Hull City. Uh, the, I think the FA Council. I've never heard of the FA Council before. Maybe, am I reading this wrong from what's the Football Association Council, isn't it? Uh, well, whoever the Football Association Council are, uh, they rejected Hull City's proposed name change uh, to Hull City Tigers. Uh, the council's decision, carried by a 63.5% vote of its members, followed the recommendation of the governing body's membership committee. Uh, fans group City Till We Die said they were delighted with the decision. Is that good for the game, or is it, you know, it's the manager's club, uh, the, the, the chairman's club, he can call them who the hell he wants? I I personally find it a very strange one because I don't know if you heard, but um, Hull's chairman put out a poll on the website for season ticket holders. Yeah. And uh, and actually, the vast majority said that they wouldn't they wouldn't be against the name change. Um. So so why it's got rejected at a later stage, I'm I'm not really too sure. I don't really really understand that. Mm. Um. But personally, I think I think it's up to the chairman. He can. If he wants to change the name, it's, at the end of the day, if football clubs now uh, are very business orientated, aren't they? Mm. Um, and if if a chairman thinks it's going to bring them extra revenue in in foreign lands, then then why not? I mean, I'm sure Hull fans won't be complaining when they sign a better pedigree of player because they've got more revenue. Well, no, they're quite happy to take the chairman's winning to get Shane Long, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. How about you two? My, my opinion, which is a bit controversial towards the people that are so anti this is if you're nicknamed the tigers you've got a tiger on your badge you've had shirts in the past that are orange with black stripes realistically is being called hull city tigers the worst thing in the world it's not like you're being called the whole city dogs or something it's not like what happened to cardiff a complete image change it's just absorbing your image that little bit more and like you said with the revenue that he feels this could potentially bring in realistically is it the worst thing in the world that could happen i don't think it is so it looks like a tiger it smells like a tiger it is. why can't you call it a tiger why can't you call it a tiger okay what's on your club creston uh rovers is a pirate and pompey is the moon and star so the Bristol Rovers Pirates, or the Bristol Pirates, would you be happy with that? If if it meant that we had a rich chairman and keeping him happy, I've seen what happens when rich chairmen get bored and walk away or don't have any money. Mm. So if it means keeping a chairman happy for a few extra million a year, then I don't think I would be completely against it. You'd be right, would you? What about na- naming the ground then? Well, you're... Uh, were you asking me what the names of my grounds oh, are? No, or sorry, if... no, sorry. If if the chairman wanted to come along and rename Fratton Park, for example, if he wanted to to rename that after the, his brand of whatever he sells, 
Well, I mean, that happened with Newcastle, didn't it? And yeah, they weren't happy, but no one like the FA Council stood up and said, no, this can't happen. Mm. And if the FA Council can stand up and say, no, it can't to this, it begs the question again for Cardiff, why could their image be changed? Yeah. Yes. And nothing said. Why for one and not the other? Yeah. Mm. Uh, in other news, Everton manager Roberto Martinez has praised the Hillsborough tribute. All uh, games this weekend are going to kick off seven minutes late in tribute to the Hillsborough victims and 25 years since the Hillsborough disaster. Uh, and also, did anybody see this as well? Lasana Diara, formerly of Portsmouth, as you know, um, yeah. Chelsea <laughs> and Arsenal, uh, has been come out forced to deny that he's been fighting uh, as an Islamic warrior in Syria. He's still quite happy playing football for Locomotive Moscow. It's a strange one, isn't it? Mm. I, uh, I mean, I, I saw. Did you see the image that was supposed to be him? No. There was an image floating around around the internet that was supposed to be him, and obviously he had like like a mask and stuff on, so you could just see his eyes. Um, and and yeah, there were. And I, I just find it hilarious. It brought up this image of like all past Premiership footballers all fighting in a war. <laughs> Sort of like what could be the greatest army that you could get together. Ooh. I don't know. You'd have a good. You'd, you'd, who would you have in there? You'd have Roy Keane in there, I suppose. You'd want some fighters. I'd probably have Tony Adams in there. <laughs> would you? I probably would. Yeah, he, he's the kind of guy who could throw a grenade in the wrong direction. Yeah. But but he'd he, stand up and be counted when it mattered. He'd, he'd take a bullet for the team. He'd get his hand shot off as he stuck it in the air. <laughs> Alan Stubbs would be in there, I think. Oh, you'd have Duncan Ferguson, wouldn't you? There's, there's nobody you'd want by your side going over the top, apart from other than him. I got a feeling he'd be quite happy to do it all on his own. He'd tell us all to wait there, and he'd go and sort them all out. <laughs> he, he would, dra- he would drag you out that trench by the, <laughs> by the scruff of your neck, and you know you'd be going with him whether you wanted to or not. Yeah, I think you would. Who about from Pompey then, Emma? At the moment, or in the past? Because the... at the moment, fighting League Two, I don't <laughs> think there's many. Adrian Dazu, he would. Be, um, one wouldn't he? Tony Blair said he was his favourite footballer. I beg to know what Tony Blair knows about football. Well, Tony Blair said he used to go watch Jackie Milburn, but apparently they worked it out that at the time Jackie Milburn was playing, Tony Blair was living in Australia. <laughs> I, I think that sums up Tony Blair, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Well, so this isn't quite the most bonkers thing since Mark Booger's going off to live in a caravan. <laughs> it's a little bit different than that. Adrian D'Souza's a policeman now, isn't he? Yeah, that was on a TV programme the other day, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. The funniest one I heard for an ex-player was um, Andy Linegan, who you might remember, uh, Joe. Uh, I it's either that... Randy or David. One of them scored. One of them was in the Sheffield Wednesday team of the 93 Cup final, one of them was in the Arsenal team and scored the winner. Andy was the Arsenal player. Was he? I think it must be Andy then. Um, he's now a uh, plumber in the Suffolk area, and on the side of his van it says Andy Linegan... Uh, plumber, toilet cleaner, an FA Cup winner or something. <laughs> so that's pretty much all the news this week. We're going to go back a little bit to Chris Hewton being sacked as Norwich manager. Uh, this happened on Sunday night, just as you'd finished recording. Joe? Um, yeah, it was, that was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I think we've had worse, don't worry. <laughs> so Chris Hewton, I think he is the, uh, I think he's the only black manager um, within the Premier League though I think Felix McGath is got parents from um, one of his parents is from Puerto Rico uh, so I think he's got a fairly similar background I'm not too sure I might be sort of making a big judgment on that one um, but there's not an awful lot of black managers or managers from ethnic minorities within this country uh, which led me to sort of think do we need something called the, the Rooney Rule which is probably something people have seen before the Rooney Rule is named for after Dan Rooney, who's the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the chairman of the league's diversity committee uh, and indirectly the Rooney family in general, due to the Pittsburgh Steelers' long history of giving African-Americans opportunities to serve in leadership roles. And the rule was established to ensure that minority coaches, especially African-Americans, were considered for high-level coaching positions. Uh, at the start of the 2006 season, the overall percentage of African-American coaches had jumped up to 22% from 6% prior to the Rooney rule. And currently... 12.5% of NFL head coaches are African-American, which is equivalent to 12.4% of the total American population, which is African-American. So it's all on a par, which got me thinking the number of black players that play professional football, the number of um, 
black people that watch the game. Also considering mine the number of Asians uh, and the number of people from other diverse backgrounds as, as well. Do we need a Rooney rule as, in, for football management or is it just tokenism? Well, what, what you don't want is you don't want it to be a tokenism. You know, how can you, uh, or how can you expect any of the clubs, for example, to say, okay, uh, we're going to be the ones to accept a player, ju- uh, a manager, just because they are uh, of a certain ethnic background, if that manager has no real track record or has a track record that is poor? You know, would any club, for example, be happy to take on John Barnes with his record? in management but at the same time you want people to have the opportunities that maybe in the past and maybe even now they are being denied um because of race or whether whether consciously or subconsciously by the by the people making the decisions about who's going to be a manager or a coach of a particular team um but i don't necessarily think that it's it should start by parachuting managers into league clubs because of their ethnicity I, I think that what you need to do to give to give them a valid um, uh, background to be able to go into these positions without any question about it being some sort of tokenism based on a, on a rule and a quota is that you that all the clubs have to have X percent of coaches throughout the club and and and, and send coaches to the to the new thing at St George's Park or whatever coaching school they have to go to. So when they go to the clubs, it comes from the bottom upwards. So when a manager comes along and gets to a to a manager of a Premier League club or below, they've got a a meritorious reason to be there and not just because, right? Okay, we've got to have X amount of black managers. So you know, Chris Hutton, you go here, or Chris Powell, you go here, or whatever. So it has to start from the bottom up, and then you've got a fair reason. You, you've, you're retaining fairness. People are getting there because they deserve to be there. But also you're giving everybody a chance by employing some kind of rule uh, and some sort of quota to give them the exposure to the ability for education and then the opportunity when these jobs come up. Okay. That's uh, quite coherently put. Much of football, I think, sort of strikes me as being an old boys network. You see, managers fail time after time after time, yet still get re-employed. Um, True, it, 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 you, you're right. But what, what I don't, I don't know the answer to this. And some people say, well, you know, we've had there are plenty of of black people who've applied for managers' jobs in the league and just not been given them. But actually, how many? How many are there of them in the circuit now? You know, you've had Paul Linton a few jobs, Chris Hutton, Chris Powell obviously has just um, been sacked by Charlton. Uh, um, Barnes has done one or two jobs. Was and Keith probably, Alexander as well, wasn't there? Yeah, there's there's not many of them to act that we know of anyway who've applied for jobs or have been in and around the scene for a long time. So, so so if if the chairman or whatever are again are having some sort of conscious or, or subconscious. Um, thought process the more people with a legitimate um, reason to be employed are, th- are there then the less opportunity there will be for the chairman to get away with sticking to employing the same old people on the same old merry-go-round time after time because there'll be a lot more competition for these places and that's why I think you've got to start from the bottom up rather than from the top down mm. You know, you may you may need one or two role models who who they put in that the FA themselves put into an English, you know, a national high position because the clubs are going to kick back if you if they're forced in to put in managers into a certain position that they don't really want. So it's probably got to start at a, at a national England level, you know, or the England under twenty ones, or they've got to be have two or three key figures as the role models. But then you've got to push from the bottom up, not the top down, because the clubs will be the barrier to to that yeah i suppose the other thing as well if you are uh, employed through the Rooney rule um then you won't have the full confidence of your chairman for a start and at the first sign of anything you'll be looking to get rid of it plus would you have the full confidence exactly. of the dressing room and other employees at the club as well exactly you're a sitting duck from day one mm. what do you guys think have you got any opinions on this i i agree with what mark said about the same old managers we um have this is typical student now, but we've just started our Easter holidays. So I've been watching Premier League years on Sky and you watch it 
and it's the same managers doing the rounds of all these similar sort of clubs, like like Sam Allardyce and Steve Bruce and all these kind of guys, which nothing against them, but if they're crap at one club, more than likely going to be crap at the next few they go to as well. And I think it's once football changes that and thinks and looks outside the box and looks for new coaches and doesn't just hire another manager because he's free. Well, yeah, he's free because he just got sacked. Mm. So I think once football changes its entire ethos towards hiring new managers, I think it will just come as second nature rather than it sort of having to feel like it's forced by having something like this Rooney rule. Do fans have a role to play in this or responsibility to play in this? Every fan wants to see his team do well and they want to see their team do well right now. So when it comes to hiring a new coach, rather than, I mean, if you think of a, a, a big company on the on the FTSE exchange or something like that, they won't hire a, a person within a, within a sort of fairly high responsible decision within the space of a couple of days. They take a lot of time over this, don't they? Fans want results and they want results straight away. So for a chairman, is he going to take a punt on a unproven black coach or is he going to go with uh, a manager that's been doing the rounds for a little while that's probably a safer bet well for me there's a there's a couple of points here that i personally think um the first one being that as emma was just saying about about these new coaches coming through and the same managers always doing the rounds i think over the last maybe five six years we are seeing a lot of new managers coming through uh, people who maybe haven't got such experience as players and things like that. You look at players like uh, managers like your Brendan Rodgers and people like that, mm. and they seem to have come focused more on coaching from a younger age than playing. Um, so I think there is a shift happening, but I think that'll take a couple of generations to actually maybe get into full swing. Um, the second point on the on the on the black managers and the black people in, in high positions is for me, you hire the best man for the job. Whether he's black, white, whatever, that shouldn't matter. And if the if the people making the decisions, the chairman and whoever else, think think that that does make a difference, then then maybe they shouldn't be in the position they're in. Mm. I don't think anyone's consciously thinking that the chairman thinks I'm not having him, he's, he's black. But maybe the sort of certain... Um, it's a subconscious thing, perhaps more than anything else. They but sort of stick with what they know. Surely the chairman would want the best man for the job. Surely, surely that that wouldn't even come into any kind of thinking or or reckoning or or anything. If if that man's the right man for that job at that time, then then surely that's the best way to go forward. I think you're right, Joey. You, the people have got to be able to get a job based on how good they are or how good they potentially are, not on whether they're black, white, green or anything else. Um, but I think the problem for black managers is there are so few of them. So when you, you know, if the choice is between, let's say, Steve Bruce or um, any number of white managers who've had several jobs and lots of experience or... You know, I don't know. Like again, I'm just going to go back to John Barnes or Paul Ince, whose reputation by just what they've done is tainted. You know, is it any wonder you haven't got a big pool to choose from, a big a big um, selection to choose from with different uh, minority uh, ethnic minority but players? But you have a big pool of black players. But so not managers, what yeah. But what? But what is happening between a player finishing his career? What happens in that stage that they don't choose to take up coaching? There's, that's the link that you need to make, and that's what you need to. That's what the FA need to channel into, rather than saying you've got to have, you know, we've got to at least have one black manager in the Premier League. If if you're losing them at the point where they finish their career and don't become a coach, that's what you need to work on. And also, as Joe mentioned, using Brendan Rodgers as the, as the example. However, whatever level they've played to, if they've not really made it or they've finished because of injury in their early 20s, you know, or they've just been an amateur player, and this could be for any race uh, of of candidate, why, where is the education system for the younger coaches? Forget forget whether they were players or not for a second. This is for all coaches. It seems that maybe there's a block to advancing higher up in the game unless you've been a player at a certain standard. I agree with that, definitely. Mm. Um or 
you know, you, you might get into like a community job where you're doing it with a kids team. If you've only ever played pub football, you could turn out to be a fantastic coach, youth coach or or make it into a manager's job in the Premier League. But you've got to increase the pool, you know, and that's whether it's black, white or anything else. Well, um, but you certainly need to give um, if we're ever going to go down that rule of, of a Rooney, a Rooney rule um, way, then we have to, again, balance it based on you know, the percentage of people from different minorities. And then, again, the cream will always rise to the top one way or another. Mm. Possibly it'll just take that one one black manager to really make a success of himself, and that'll spur other people on, inspire other other, other black coaches to maybe maybe believe that they can, that they can reach for the top. And, and sort of, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's all it needs, just that one, that, that one to really do well. Well, Chris Chris Hutton's done all right to a standard. For example, you know he's he's always going to do. He's been doing a decent job in the places where he's been at a certain place. You know he did okay at Birmingham under hard circumstances. Norwich, okay, it's not gone so well for him this year. Did all right last year. Did okay at Newcastle, got them promoted. So uh, Chris Powell had a came, you know got Charlton back up. Has a good reputation. You know he's got a lot of friends in the game. You would hope that if he is as good as people were making out when he was at Charlton and got them promoted that he will find himself into a decent job, do well, or if he's a good coach, that the FA could use him, you know? And maybe he will be the one that gets into a decent job in the FA. But again, it's about the numbers. We're talking about, this, or I've mentioned, only the same five names over and over again. There's got to be more of these people somewhere to at least spur each other on and spur the next generation to come up. And you could say that about whatever colour the person is. Mm. I think it's... A lot of it feels like the FA trying to pass the burden, trying to pass it on to to the to the chairman without actually actively doing something about it themselves. Mm. Sort of saying, "Oh well, you know, it's them; they're not doing it." Well, how many you know how many black board members do they have in the FA, if any? That's true. I think the other thing as well is um, how many black journalists are there. Yeah, I was, that's exactly what I was thinking. Actually, how many like, like on TV? How many black pundits do you have and things? There's not an awful lot. I'm trying to think in print journalism as well. There's not. Too, I mean, you'd probably know about this more than any of us, Joe. I mean, you're all there well, in, I mean, the, in the press box, aren't you? One name that springs to mind straight away is Clark Carlisle. He does a lot of a lot of punditry. Um, he was sat behind me at the um, Newcastle match last weekend, working for radio. Mm. Stan Collymore um, as well. Stan Collymore, uh, Chris Kamara. Yes. Um, and then, uh, what's the name? What's, what's the name of that guy? Darren. Some. Oh, I can't remember his name. He was on Sky Sports, and uh, I think he's got a show on something like Talk Sport now. Worked for like one of the tabloids. I can't remember his name though. I can't think. I John Salako, yeah, I've seen on Sky Sports. Yeah, John yeah. Salako. Yep, yeah, that's another one. And Matt Murray. Yeah, yeah. He's on there, but we're, we're painstakingly going through a memory, whereas you could reel off hundreds mm. of white journalists. Mm. Do you do you think that it's got anything to do with uh, going back to uh, going from players to managers? Do you think it's got anything to do with nationality? I, well, I think you got a lot of diverse. The, 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 the only reason I say that is because. Obviously, 20 years ago, the English leagues weren't as diverse with different nationalities as they are now. Mm. Um, and the managers that Emma mentioned that always do the rounds from 20 years ago still um, are, well, for example, you could say there's a lot, of, a lot of managers who come from Glasgow or Scotland who seem to do well in the English game. And I was wondering whether maybe it works the other way as well, whereas... Uh, people from maybe African countries and places like that haven't got that that um, that want to be a manager, whereas people from Scotland do see footballers from Scotland do seem to have that want. Maybe people from other countries don't don't have that same desire. Yeah, you see, maybe they want to do something in their own country. Possibly, yeah. Possibly they want to uh, work in the community to get more. Uh, to get better players coming through or something like that. I don't know. Mm. Maybe there's other other areas that they'd rather, other avenues that they'd rather pursue rather than be a manager in, in English football. Maybe we're being a little bit, not chauvinistic as such, but thinking that a lot of, a lot of uh, foreign players are going to be wanting to manage in our country. Maybe they don't want, maybe they don't want to. 
No, maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong there. I don't know. It's just a thought. No, I think it's, it's probably a very good point. But then you look at the African nations. A lot of the managers in the African Cup of Nations are white European, aren't they? Yeah, but if, if you go back to the point I just made that that maybe in Europe there's more of a want to be a manager, then that could extend to other places as well, couldn't it? They could go other places to be a manager. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 I see. Okay. I'm not quite sure what to conclude from that, but I don't really think it's going to be changing anytime soon, unfortunately, is it? Right, move on to predictions time. So what we normally do here is uh, just let you know, Joe, and anybody who's listening for the first time. Myself, Mark, and Emma, we have a um, we predict the weekend's fixtures, and this weekend we're also going to go into next week because there's been week games as well next week. For every one we get right uh, over the weekend, we get a point. So at the moment, Mark is in the lead on 60 points. Emma is on 56, she's sneaked up, and I'm on 53, unfortunately, so I've got some ground to make up. Probably that's I've... fairly close, that's fairly close. I, I... Yeah, Emma's miles behind. I'm, I'm quite impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was miles behind is the ultimate word in that sentence? It was, yeah, I know. I think it's the fact I'd ever predict Liverpool win. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I predicted Manchester United would draw at Newcastle at the weekend. I don't think things like that. Oh. <laughs> I thought they'd have a tough sort of Premier League fixture before uh, getting hammered in the Champions League, but it didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what we do, we'll talk through the, the three of us. If you want to chip in, Joe, at any point, I feel absolutely free to do that, and then we'll come to you as well for the semi-finals. Is that all right? I yeah. think that's I'm asking for tips. Sorry. I said I think that's you asking for tips. Yeah, I think you might be right. I can't do any worse <laughs> than what I have been. You were very chippy all of a sudden since you got up into second place. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm scared I'm going to get knocked off my perch. <laughs> okay, first of all, um, Crystal Palace versus Aston Villa. I'm going to go for a Palace win. Okay, Mark? Yeah, I agree with Emma on this one. Palace win, I think... They'll probably see this as their win this and they, they're guaranteed to stay up. Well, Villa are better away from home, aren't they? They are, but I think... And Palace ben, are better at home. Yeah, they are, yeah. Benteke is going to be a miss for Villa for the last few games of the season. They're safe, you know, they're on the same amount of points as Villa. Mm. But I think I think even with what they've got, they'll probably be OK. A couple more points. But I think Palace will definitely see this as their opportunity to to get to 37 points and I think that'll be fine for them so I'll go I'll go Palace okay, okay. I'll go Palace as well Fulham versus Emma's friends Norwich what do you think Emma well this, um, this is Neil Adams isn't it this is former Everton did he win the league with Everton Mark uh, Neil... 86-87 yeah he was in the uh, in the last championship winning side yeah this is Neil Adams who's the caretaker manager of Norwich to the end of the season arguably this is their last winnable game because they've got United, Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal after this, haven't they? It's a massive game, isn't it? Massive. Yeah, really. Um, I think whoever loses this... Well, if Fulham lose this, I think they're pretty much down. If Norwich lose this, they're properly in the stum, aren't they? Mm. So what do you think, Emma? Looking at it, I would say Fulham. But knowing that... Knowing Norwich's remaining fixtures, they cannot afford to lose this. New manager syndrome as well. Cautiously saying Norwich. Would you? Right. Yes. Which means they will get now hammered about 5-0 probably. <laughs> Mark, what do you think? Um, I, I've been saying exactly that about Norwich. You know, the, they've got to win this game and this game and this game because of the last four fixtures. But they just seem to cock it up most weeks. And the last couple of games, Fulham, there's been a bit of a momentum shift for Fulham, hasn't there? Mm. They, they were unlucky to lose to Everton couple of weeks back um they beat villa the other day which i predicted based on the how they played against everton and i do like magat and uh, funnily enough i do fancy something like five nil to fulham bizarrely five oh, i'm gonna write i'm gonna write that next to it yeah go on <laughs> you get a bonus you get a bonus point if it's five nil well they beat them five nil last season didn't they fulham did they first game of last season i think yeah or four nil so anyway we're not be- we're not doing scores <laughs> it's only about it's only about the results, so I'm going to go Fulham. You're going to go Fulham. All right, no worries. Uh, I'm going to go Fulham as well. Uh, next one, Southampton Cardiff. Can anybody make a case for 
Cardiff in this week. I think last week Southampton felt a bit robbed. They got so angry, Pochettino started speaking in English. <laughs> which is um, kind of similar to a guy I used to work with. When he used to argue with his wife on the phone, he'd start speaking to her in Hindi. Was he? Did he even speak Hindi or... Well, yeah. <laughs> no, he definitely did. But, um, yeah, you, you could tell they're having an argument because he'd start speaking that to her. Um, so, yeah, Southampton, Cardiff. Anybody can make a case for Cardiff getting something from this? No, I think... I, I reckon last season... Uh, not last season. Last week, um, you could kind of sense it from the way Solskjaer, his body language and the way he talked after the game, that I think they think they're down. Yeah. Uh, I can't see them getting anything out of Southampton. There's an inevitability to it, isn't there? Yeah, even obviously even Rodriguez is out, but Southampton, are, you know, they were played really well for the first half against Man City. So yeah, it's, it's got to be Southampton for me. Okay, Emma. Yes, I painstakingly agree. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Southampton as well. Right, Stoke Norwich. If two teams were ever on the beach and not given a toss about a game, I suppose this must be it. <laughs> Okay, what do you guys think? Stoke. Stoke? I have to agree. Yeah, me too. Newcastle were shocking last weekend. Oh, you were there, were you? Yeah, I was there at the Newcastle Man United match. And, uh, yeah, I said it on the uh, on the Sunday show. Newcastle, they, they were they, they were barely there. They were barely there at all. They were a training match for Man United. What were the crowd like? Were they on the players' backs? or? Um... Not really throughout the game. They booed at the end, um, which seems to be the cool thing to do at the minute. Um, but throughout the game, for such a big ground and such a high capacity, it was very, very quiet. Yeah. Very well, quiet. Let me tell you, Joe, that the, the, the Newcastle atmosphere, the whole tsunami thing, it's one of the biggest myths in football, is the atmosphere yeah. at Newcastle, and has been for more than 15 years. It's a total myth. Um, and I went there for the Newcastle Everton game, and okay, Newcastle got stuffed and they played disgraceful, but the crowd didn't even stay to the end till boo, you know. And I, I can't, I can't <laughs> figure that out. If it was my team, if it was Everton getting humped at home by Newcastle, I'd be there doing me ends at the end of the game the way yeah. they played. But the stadium was empty five minutes before the end. Yeah, it, it, was, was it was strange. Weird. It was strange to see such a big, full ground so quiet. And I suppose that comes from the performance and everything else on the pitch. And I mean, the Man U fans, in fairness, as I've seen two or three times this season, were absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a really surreal atmosphere. I were expecting more. United fans away are quite good, actually, aren't they? Yeah, they, they, I've seen them away three times this year. And each time they've been brilliant. Even on the train home, they've been fantastic. Mm. <laughs> Although one of them went up to Jamie Carragher last night in Munich Airport and called him a scouse, see you next Tuesday. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently he sort of just stood his ground and wasn't that bothered. Um, but that'll be a number 10 forever for um, United. He's a scouse so-and-so the same, I should imagine, then, is he? Well, <laughs> <laughs> probably after the performance against Bayern Munich, yeah. <laughs> so after exposing the fallacy of uh, Newcastle fans, that's Mark from At The Football Pink on Twitter, if you want to get in touch. <laughs> that's all right, I'm only down the road. They know where I am. <laughs> Are you living... Um, there'll be more... I said, I think they'll be more vocal than the Norwich fans. So there's a new hatred now. Yeah, you got an easy week because you predicted they were winners, well, haven't you? <laughs> if, they're as, if they're as lethargic at hating me as they are at going at the game, they wouldn't even come to the end of me back garden and boo me. So I'm fine, <laughs> don't worry. Fair enough. Uh, well, your other neighbours, Sunderland, are playing Everton as well. So what do you think? Mm, um, <sighs> Everton were brilliant last week. Sunderland were garbage against Tottenham and have been for most of the season. So, as much as I don't want back to say Everton, um, I'm going to say Everton. Okay, Emma? Yeah, an Everton win. Yeah, me too. We're all agreeing this week again. Can, uh, can I just say as well, I'm at Sunderland this weekend, and uh, and I'm expecting Everton Masterclass. Are you? I am. So, if Lee Catamore's listening to this, he knows where to find you. Uh, at Joseph Cawthorn on Twitter, if he wants to. Uh, <laughs> don't say um, yeah, definitely. I think not even not even the high waisted shorts of Lee Catamole can stop uh, Barkley. So what happens after the game? Do you know who you're going to be interviewing before the game post match, or do you just sort of go down to the mix zone and then they someone sort of appears? Well, it depends. It depends who I'm working for. Um, if I, some some 
some uh, some companies I know that I'll be interviewing the managers definitely, and then they'll say and possibly a player depending on if something crazy's happened. So if a player scored a hat trick, for example, he'll probably get interviewed. Um, but you usually usually it's it's pretty random. Like a, it'll be a man of the match, or like I say, if something bizarre's happened or something like that. Okay, can we come with you one week? <laughs> that's good. It's funny because the amount of friends I've made since I've been doing this. I was going to say. Um, but unfortunately, no, I don't get any plus ones. Um, but I'll be sure to let you know if I do. Yeah, well, the other thing as well, if you do get Liverpool, is it unprofessional to ask for any um, cast-offs? Like a Luis Suarez jockstrap or something. I could <laughs> stick on my wall. That's, could, very, could, that's, not, that's not just unprofessional, that's just a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how much you're willing to pay. Oh, I've had postage. <laughs> no deal. <laughs> uh, West Brom Tottenham is the next one. I fancy West Brom for this one for some reason. Yeah, I strangely think think along those lines as well. Okay, Mark. Mm, blah blah blah. blah. Um, West Brom again. Funny team, but they've had a. You know, they had their first win. Well, they've had a couple of decent-ish results. Mm. Tottenham can go either way, can't they, the way they play? I'll say a draw. I'll say a draw, OK. Right, Sunday is the small matter of Liverpool versus Manchester City. Um, wow. I think we can do it, but we won't. You say that every week. No, I know, I know. <laughs> but they've won nine in a row with me saying they're going to lose, so I quite happily keep saying they'll lose if it means they'll win. So I'm going to go Man City. But I think Liverpool have got a better chance of winning this than they have the Chelsea game. Because if City attack, then Liverpool can press their... I'm going to sound like I know what I'm talking about here, but Liverpool can press their full-backs and press their defence and get behind them, can't they? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because uh, Man City's defense is nowhere near as good as Chelsea's defense. No, good. So so they'll leave more gaps, and obviously the the strike force and the attacking threat that Liverpool pose, as we saw from Southampton last weekend, if you've got them kind of players, you can get in behind. Good, I, uh, I didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree. I'd agree with you. Oh, yeah. good. There you go. <laughs> what do you think, guys? Such a hard one to call, isn't it? You know. I think the the key man in the whole game for me is David Silva. If he plays well, I think City will win. Mm. But if Liverpool can keep him quiet, I think I think Liverpool might win. So uh, bear in mind Silva's playing well. I'm I'm going to go Man City. Okay, Emma. I just think I think being at home and I just think Liverpool will have something to rise above. The threat City pose. So I'm going to go for a home win. Yeah. <laughs> right, we've some midweek ones as well, so we'll rattle through these quickly and then we'll get on to the semi finals. Oh. You've missed one out. Oh. I've got Swansea Chelsea, yeah. I know I have. That's midweek, isn't it? When's that? It's Sunday. Oh, is it? Sunday. Oh, no, it is. 10 past 4. Sorry, 7 past 4. It's mid afternoon, not midweek. Sorry. <laughs> some people think we throw this stuff together. Um, go on then, Swansea, Chelsea. What do you think, guys? Chelsea. Chelsea? Yeah. <laughs> no ball boys revenge? No. No? Okay, Chelsea as well. Okay. Now can I go midweek? Yes. Hey. Go on then. Uh, Arsenal, West Ham? Uh, Arsenal. Yeah. I think last yeah. weekend was a big wake-up call for them and I expect them to go and probably win every one of the league games now. Okay. What do you think, Emma? Yeah, I have to agree. I don't think West Ham will be able to scrape anything. Yeah, me too. Uh, Everton Crystal Palace. As I was saying, I think if, if Palace can win this weekend, they'll consider that that's enough for them. So, bearing in mind that, although they're difficult to beat, I would still fancy Everton at home to beat them. Okay, Emma. I think if Palace go into if Palace win this weekend, they will pose a lot more of a threat. And I, but I think they've sort of, and it all depends. Obviously, if they win, then they sort of feel that like they're safe. Mm. So it potentially could drop off. So I would go for a home win as well. Okay, 
I'm gonna go for an Everton win as well. Okay. And last one is Manchester City Sunderland. I think was it last year they were sending three all? Or the other four? When whenever Bentner was there on loan. That was the year before, because last year it was at Juventus, wasn't it? Was he? Yeah. Was the year before, yeah. Okay, I can't see that happening again, I have to say. I'm going for a home win. Yeah, yeah. agree. So we're all going for home wins. Okay, right. Well, seems we've all agreed. I should imagine we're all be in the same position as next week. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be second again, Emma. Okay, uh, FA Cup semis. First of all is Wigan Arsenal. Uh, Joe, do you want to enlighten us on this? Yeah, well, personally... Um... I think that Wigan stand a fantastic chance. I think that the form that they're in at the minute in the championship, I think since Uwe Rosler has gone there, they've they've stepped it up 10 gears. Um, and Arsenal are looking a little bit vulnerable at the minute. Big wide... What's that, sorry? I was going to say, big wide pitch would suit Arsenal there, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That That is in Arsenal's hands. And obviously, the the fact that they're playing at Wembley, it's probably more it's more uh, normal for their players to be playing in these big atmospheres and big high-pressure situations. But I think that sometimes tends to work against Arsenal. I think Arsenal Wigan have got a better better recent record at Wembley than Arsenal, haven't they? They have, yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is an interesting start. Um, but I think... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my... You see, on the Sunday show, in the uh, I, I firmly, firmly said that Arsenal are going to win this. But through the week, I thought about it, and I'm and and I'm thinking, I'm thinking Wigan are going to do it. You think Wigan do? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, I think I think Arsenal are more vulnerable when they're favourites. I think they perform better as underdogs. Mm. I think when the pressure's really on and, and scrutiny is on them, which it is at the moment, I think uh, I think I think they could capitulate. Okay, and what about the other one? Who's Sheffield United? Well, that's just as just as tight to call. I mean, Sheffield United have knocked out Aston Villa and Fulham, um, who, were, who were arguably on 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 and around the same level as Hull. Um, Hull obviously haven't got Shane Long and Jelovic playing up front. Um, but saying that, I think Hull will come out on top on that. I think uh, I think it'll be one step too far for Sheffield United. They've had a great run, obviously. League One team. Not 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 that I were uh, not that I'm too happy about it, but <laughs> I think I think I think um, yeah, I think I think Hull just tight, maybe a maybe a two one, something like that. But I think I think Hull will come out on top on that. So if I'm right, that'll mean a Hull Wigan final, which is possibly the most boring FA Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so no wonder the FA Cup's going out of fashion because with finals like that, I think that'd be a great final. You know, two teams you wouldn't expect to get there, who are probably going to go out and play, at, you know, play go for it, and you know, you might get a classic final with two teams like that. Yeah, poss- possibly. I'm being a little bit unfair on them. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, one thing you will get is uh, from Steve Bruce and Uwe Rosler is is. Uh, commitment and determination and um, that never say die attitude. Um, so, and I mean, I mean, as well, if Hull do get to the final, there'll be all them Steve Bruce masks in the crowd. So that'd put off, that'd put off Wigan <laughs> strikers, wouldn't it? If it went to penalties, that's very true. <laughs> what a horrible thought. <laughs> right. Well, on that horrible thought, I think that brings us to the end of the um, the podcast for this week. So. Uh, thank you guys for coming. So if we um, want to follow you, Joe, how do we follow you? It's at Joseph Cawthorn, which is very, very hard to pronounce and spell. Um, so I'll write something on your on your um, Twitter feed or something and people can find me that way. All right, fair enough then. No problem. Uh, Emma, if you want to follow you? At Mwebs. At Mwebs. And Mark, any Newcastle fans want to get in touch with you? Uh, it's at C Armband. I mean, uh, at the football, at the football pink. At the football pink. Who's C Armband? I've never heard of him. Oh, he's <laughs> just some arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Right. Well, that brings to the end of this week's Man on the Post pod- Extra Time podcast. As I say, um, don't forget you've got. Are you on this week, Joe, on Sunday? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Not sure yet. So possibly Joe, but you'll have. Um, Adam and Colin and Ross uh, available to download from Monday for the Sunday show with a week review of what we've been predicting for this weekend. If you like us, you can listen to us on SoundCloud. I think that's that man on the post. Um, 
And you can also listen down to this from iTunes. If you do download and you enjoy it, you can give us a five-star review. And Kai from the Sunday show, who said nice things about it this week, will send you a fridge magnet. So all that lets me say is thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Thanks. And thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. And always remember to keep your man on the post. Okay. They did. They said nice things this week. Shocking. I know. Yeah. What did they edit out, though? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to go before I get t- pulled into a discussion about she-wees again. Oh, no, no. posted all over the internet. <laughs> well, it shouldn't go all over anywhere with the she-wees, shall we? <laughs> it should go directly to one particular place. <laughs> Goodbye, gentlemen. Bye. See you, Emma. Bye. See you. No, I've got a daughter okay. called Back of the Co-op there. <laughs> yeah, up against up against the wheelie bin. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> we just call it Upper for up, sure. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, yeah, she's the the favourite one. No, that's all right. I wouldn't I wouldn't use more calling Austin to Emma. She's nowhere near old enough to know what that means. She didn't know who Helen Daniels was the other week. Well, there you go. If she's not going to know who Helen Daniels is, she's certainly not going to know who Mork or Orson are. <laughs> You'll get. <laughs> Do you know Emma? No. No. You've ever heard of a man called Robin Williams? Yes. Okay. Well, we'll do the okay with that then. <laughs>